bodies and parts, fresh on sticks. Chapter 11, The Emperor's Bib. The good news is your crush finally speaks to you. And it's not just hi, he actually knows your name and he starts the conversation. The bad news is he's dangling from the claws of a gargoyle at the time, being flown west to stand trial as a treasonous, vegetarian organizer. And then all he says to you is, Josie, save me! I ran from the cat house to the nearest stable. Great selection. They got a mule, two yaks, and a winged camel. I didn't want to find out at 5,000 feet how hard it is controlling a winged camel. And the mule was out of the question because we knew each other. There was some bad blood between us. I untied the skinnier yak, hoping it could run faster. Will you hurry up? Hey, if you wanted to get there in a hurry, you should have taken the camel. Get me to the Hobgoblin stronghold before the moon reaches its peak and I'll set you free. Gee, that would be swell. So my master can track me down again and beat me? Yeah, some reward. Tell me who your master is and I'll kill him. You'll stay free. Mm, yeah, that works. He still wasn't very fast. She, actually. It took hours to get through the forest and we didn't reach the Hobgoblin lands until daybreak. All night, the yak kept pestering me with details about what her master looked like to make sure I'd kill the right goblin. The forest turns into hills, and from the peak of one hill, we could see across the whole plateau where hobgoblins rule. A mile away was the arena. They used to call it the Crater Amphitheater, a massive gathering place in the heart of a crater with rows of seats carved around the rim. But everything's for sale these days, even the naming rights for a stadium in hobgoblin territory. Now it's Monster Amphitheater. You know, monster.arg? That's the company where you post your resume on the web and the spiders run it back and forth to prospective employers. And if you survive, you get a job somewhere. See, humans could learn a thing or two from goblinoid business practices. If you make the hiring process deadly for some applicants, then your remaining pool of employees has a lower unemployment rate, you know? Not as many people to compete with. Plus, it encourages workers to stick with the family business. That way, you're slightly less likely to be gutted by a coworker trying to climb the corporate ladder. Are we there yet? Keep moving. Okay, picture 500 hobgoblins crawling all over each other to get a better seat in the amphitheater. After turning loose the yak, I started at the top rim of the crater and had to fight my way down. I cut a few guts open along the way, had to poke the eye out of a cyclops. There's a wide balcony on one edge of the amphitheater where the hobgoblin emperor and his court can watch the action, safely removed from the common rabble. At the front of the box was the emperor, gray and lumpy with jowls hanging down to his armpits. He was spread out on his belly on this big table getting a massage from the tallest, beefiest specimen I've ever seen. Not as cute as my Shrahag, but he had quite a bot. A few rows of high muckety-mucks and generals crowded around the emperor, with servants fanning them and fetching them drinks. Two humans tossed slabs of ribs on a steel grill as long as a horse, basting them and turning them. They had to supply the grill constantly because finished ribs were plucked off the grill constantly by the emperor. When he cleaned off the bones, he'd throw them to his subjects in the cheap seas. Down on the dirt floor of the amphitheater, directly in front of the emperor's balcony, my Shrahag tried to prop himself up on one elbow. I could see him shaking just to make that effort. He was bruised and bloodied from dozens of cuts and lash marks. A prosecuting bastard stood in front of him, foaming and raving as he reviewed the charges. His treason is not just action against our way of life as carnivores. He makes specific attempts to undermine His Holiness the Emperor. 
Shahab has convinced warriors to leave battlefields and persuaded merchants to leave our markets. They follow him to the hills where they take up the disgusting habit of eating dead creatures that they find. I have to admit it was turning my stomach a little to listen to him. What kind of person eats like that? What was I getting myself into? These vegetarians, these scum that call themselves Yuvula, they seek to build their own separate tribe within our empire. They hope to overthrow our gracious emperor and set back the prosperity he has brought to our lands. It would have been a little more convincing if three dozen hobgoblins hadn't chosen that moment to pour into the floor of the amphitheater, chasing after a rib their gracious emperor had thrown. The prosecuting bastard waited for the fight to die down before clearing his throat again, but he was interrupted by the emperor. I've heard enough. Shrahad of the clan Gnoriosh. You will die, okay? That's pretty obvious. But I'm still trying to think of the most fitting method for your death. Something with theatrical value. I need a really good kind of spectacle to make an example of you. Uh, something that our people will talk about for years. What do you think, General Vorfalak? Mm, meh. General Escavorn. His crimes involve an unnatural way of eating. Let him be eaten slowly by some fell beast. What fell beast would you recommend? Crocodiles. Really? Crocodiles? That's the most fell beast you can think of? Look. First you dispatch me to terrify the gnomes south of Grimok Forest with a division of warriors. I spend three days terrifying them. And then this message comes through that you need me back here to serve in my advisory capacity for this big deal. I march the warriors back double time. Five of them died along the road because they couldn't keep up. And you're surprised I can't come up with some inventive method of execution on the spur of the moment? I'm working on like three hours of sleep here. Give me some notice and I'll come up with something to knock your socks off. But this, with the terror and the gnomes and the march and the overtime, what do you expect? No offense, Your Holiness. Nah, you're right. General Vench, what do you got for me? While they were talking amongst themselves, I had crept onto the floor of the amphitheater and tried to hold my hand up to get their attention. Then I waved both my arms. Most of the crowd had seen me by then, but the elites were still chatting with each other. I tried whistling to get their attention, but... You know, the fangs get in the way. Finally, I spoke up. Hey, down here! What is it? Who are you? I am Josie, heartmonger of the clan Froshmouse Creed. I challenge you for the life of this prisoner. Let me battle your greatest champion. The Emperor held up a finger to me and told his advisor, Vench, keep thinking of a really nasty execution for the traitor. We'll take a few minutes to get rid of this goblin chippy so you'll have a moment to think. Uh, sure, sweetie. If you can take down our champion, you can have the prisoner. Then he snapped his fingers and pointed down at me. The masseur stopped palpating the emperor's calves and threw himself down from the balcony. I jumped back and drew my knife. The emperor said, Don't let her get too dusty. I want her up on my grill after you're through with her. Wait, I get to choose the weapon, right? I choose the brazier. A bra? No, a brazier. A grill. I make the best goddamn barbecue you ever tasted. Hmm. I like it. Fine. The Emperor brushed his arm over the top of the grill, knocking all the ribs off, then licked his burnt arm clean. He said, come up here and cook. I ran into the audience to a spot where I could jump into the balcony. 
The masseur sighed and trudged through the audience, back up to the balcony he had just jumped down from. My warrior goes first. The masseur said, Sire, let the challenger make the first move. Then I can learn and defeat her with her best techniques. Very good. The emperor barked something at the humans who had been working the grill. They dragged it to the front of the balcony to provide the best view of it for the emperor and the audience. I stoked the flames till the grill roared. You can hear it intermittently ticking from the heat. I said, hold that human, the pale one. His meat will be more tender. Guards tackled the human while the darker man leapt out of the balcony and disappeared into the crowd. Among the spatulas and tongs and brushes on a table next to the grill were a selection of gleaming cutlery, ranging from a fillet knife to something the size of a short sword. I plucked the sword from the tray. Hobgoblins tugged at each of the human's limbs, holding him off the ground as he screamed for mercy. The emperor lifted his hairy belly off the massage table, propping himself up on an elbow. What will you be serving today? I raised the sword with both hands over the human. I executed a sloppy pirouette, ending my turn in the direction of the Emperor, bringing the sword down sharply into the corner of his jaw, (gasps) thrusting through his mouth to break loose the other hinge of his jaw, and whisking the blade down through his neck, scooping out a section of skin like a long bib down his throat and chest. With the flat of my blade, I guided the jaw and bib onto the grill. It would have been better with Aunt Sadie's blend of rosemary and hemlock, but I had some crumbs of dried cilantro in my belt pouch. I spread them over the exposed portion of meat and found some kosher salt on the little table of cooking implements. The trick with jowls is to get the chin down on the grill and spread out that extra flap of skin from the chest. You don't even turn the thing over, just let it go until the jowls are crispy. The tongue should be pink in the middle, and if you get it just right, the skin bib turns out like bacon. I usually garnish with a thin slice of liver over the top, but there was just no time. As the emperor clutched his bubbling throat hole and pointed at me, trying to gurgle orders, I shouted, Who is next in line to the throne? A shriveled hobgoblin seated to the left of the emperor raised his hand. Then his arm fell to the ground. A fountain of blood spilled out of his shoulder. He said, Oh, Bala. The person behind him who had lopped off the arm shouted, I am emperor now. The masseur did an impressive somersault to land on top of that guy, and then the whole balcony was a squabble of hobgoblins killing each other to gain the throne. With a thin steak from the cooking tools, I speared the slightly undercooked jaw off the grill and hopped down to the floor of the arena. Prosecuting bastard came at me with claws dripping black poison. Hobgoblin lawyers are usually skinny, weaselly wimps who made it through life by arguing their way out of situations instead of fighting, so they're all known to use poison when they're forced to fight. It can be a delicate fight when you're up against someone waving poison at you. I wasn't really great with a sword. I kicked the prosecutor in the nads and he wasn't an obstacle anymore. I cut the ropes on Shrahag's hands and knees and lowered dew claws. The shuffling audience had given up on the circle of seats. They crowded around the emperor's balcony, some of them pushing to see who the victor would be, others climbing up the balcony to join the contest. The seats on the opposite side of the amphitheater from the emperor's box were cleared out, so I dragged Shrahag that way. Here, my love, eat this. You'll need to get your strength back so we can flee. Josie, how can I ever thank you? What happened to your voice? They tortured me. Maybe Aunt Sadie will have something to fix you up. We'll never get home safely at this rate. Let me help. It was the yak. 
Hey, thanks, Yak. What are you still doing here? I don't trust you to kill my owner. If I give you rides once in a while, will you keep other people from beating me and making me plow fields? Sure, let my hobgoblin here ride you for a while and I'll stay on foot. I can't go back to your home, Josie. They'll find me. I have to go south through the mountains. Can I come with you at least? We have to settle this. Did you just shout my name last night because you needed help or because I meant something to you? Last night I needed help. Today you're the goblin who cut down the emperor. And you saved me from being slowly fed to alligators. Crocodiles. I could have any hobgoblinette I want, but you've just become the most wanted goblin in ten kingdoms. That's hot. Really? I wasn't sure whether to consummate our relationship right then, or if I needed to play coy for a little while. Hobgoblin ways are different from ours, and I still didn't understand what he expected from me. The sky dimmed for a moment. I saw that I wouldn't need to make any decision about how to move forward with our relationship just yet, because the thing coming between us and the sun was actually the gargoyle swooping down at us. Shrahag fell off the yak, which seemed like a reasonable defensive maneuver. Then I saw that he hadn't jumped down intentionally. He had been shrugged off by the beast, which stood up on its hind legs and gradually stopped looking like a yak. It straightened into the form of a biped, then held its arms straight out and did jazz hands as it resumed the form of Gerund, the hobgoblin sorcerer, the same one who had arrested Shrahag. I pointed at him and said, You are so off the wedding invitation list. You've been listening to The Emperor's Bib, Chapter 11 of Brazen Hearts, Fresh on Sticks. Rob Northrup gets the blame and credit for everything in this Goblin Soap Opera podcast, except for the following. Shrahag was played by Melinda Smith. The voice of Chango mixed into a crowd scene was Matt. And second in line to the Hobgoblin Emperor's throne was taken from a clip of Sterling Holloway. Now's the time when you need to get yourself down to brazenhearts.blogspot.com. You'll be able to subscribe to the podcast. You can look up show notes about other episodes. You can listen to all the other episodes. Good stuff like that. You can see a a cool illustration of um, some of the cast of Brazen Hearts Fresh on Sticks, the Goblin Soap Opera podcast. And uh, since you like this so much, you, you actually listened this long, you know what else you like? I'm confident that you would also like a collection of short stories called Dungeons and Day Jobs, which is by me, Rob Northrup. And uh, you can download the whole thing now for free as a PDF file. And uh, and you can also buy it as a nifty, swell, 170-page paperback. Because nobody likes reading full novels off screen. It's not a novel. It's a collection of short stories. But what you'll do is you'll test some of the stories and you'll say, Gosh, I gotta have that. And you'll get yourself a paperback copy. That's the theory, anyway. That's what Cory Doctorow keeps telling me. Not me personally. That's what he keeps talking about on his broadcast. So, until next time, keep keeping it fresh. And are you done with that stick? <laughs>